0: Welcome to It's a Code World, your digital marketing podcast. This podcast will give you practical insights on
1: how to better digitally market your business, be more organized, and get more customers.
0: Hey, how's it going? This is Tim Brown. This is the It's a Code World podcast, and I'm here with Daniel Dane hutt You want to say, what's up, Daniel?
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Daniel is from Amp My Content, and we're gonna be talking about paid content promotion today. We're gonna to give you tons of actionable advice and really help you get this off the ground if you haven't been doing paid content promotion. I'm an avid believer, and that's why when Daniel approached me with this topic, I was extremely excited. And you know, Daniel, let's stop for a second and I wanna to get to know you a little bit. So What's your favorite digital marketing tool, hands down?
1: I uh, you sent me this question and I found it so difficult because obviously there's so many good tools out there. Yeah. I wanted to cheat if I could. My favorite tool is technically not a marketing tool, but it's something called DataBox. Okay. Which is like a dashboard. It's a it's a three tool, but it's imagine Zapier, but for a dashboard. So you can integrate. I know you do outreach and things like that with your agency. Yeah. So yeah. we have one on there, <clears throat> excuse me, where it's connected to Ahrefs and also Mailshake. So it'll tell me how many emails I've sent per day and how many backlinks we've also created and things like that. So I'll have a unique nice. dashboard. and I have it for paid ads. I have it for things like that. So it's not technically a marketing tool, but yeah. it's something I use every single day.
0: Sounds pretty uh, related. Yeah, it's funny. I've been on a data box blog post before through uh I use I'm just gonna throw this out there as mine just to shake it up so we can both share our you know recent faves. Um one of mine is Haro. So help a reporter out. Have you messed with that yet?
1: Yeah I actually got on data box with that as well.
0: Yeah nice I love it. So yeah. Haro, so for those of you who aren't familiar is uh help a reporter out and you can essentially pitch reporters and you know the premium version you just you get in there and you can just pitch 10 people a day and or whatever you know and and get on a bunch of write ups some of them are a little bit more like newsy but you know that's the helper reporter out thing but there's a lot of just like company blog people on there just editorial style content a lot of times they're doing roundups great way to get links you and i care about links but uh you know yeah. from a for a novice's uh perspective why do you, why do you care about links daniel just i like getting other people's perspective on this
1: honestly i feel that when you, there's a, there's a couple of different reasons but you're building pathways back to your site so even if that link isn't that powerful for like an organic seo kind of thing someone can then be redirected from one site back to you so if if you think of it in like a traditional physical retail store space you're just building more roads that come back to you um with the right people and uh yeah i love harrow for the exact same reason because it's so easy to you get an email and they say hey do you know about this topic you send them two paragraphs and boom you've got a link on a usually quite difficult website as well
0: yeah exactly i've gotten stuff from like mastercard uh crazy links I love those tools, I wanna go into general tools for people getting more out of paid content promotion. So I'm gonna start the first one here. Um, I'm gonna start with Facebook ads. I think that this one's a little um, obvious, but I just wanna talk to people about it if they're not doing this already. I love promoting my best content to audiences in Facebook. And two of my favorite audiences are people who like my page and their friends. So when you're promoting something, there's an option that's people who like your page or people who like your page and their friends. It's an awesome idea to use that people who like my page and their friends just because then they have a social connection to you in some way. Maybe you're building off of they've heard about you before or things like that. And then I love remarketing. So if you haven't set up your Facebook ad account to remarket, it's just putting a little bit of code onto your site, and then anyone who's visited your site before, if they have a Facebook account and they're poking around, they'll see you again. And I love those two audiences. And then my second one is a tool called <clears throat> is a tool called Q so Promote. So Q U U Promote. And honestly, all it does is it curates Twitter feeds for people so they can sign up to, let's say, have people uh, have their Twitter feed curated for any topic. Let's say it's construction or let's say it's marketing or something like that. And then it will essentially give them tweets. And you can put your content to be featured in their tweets. And so we get like 10 tweets a day from this and yeah, it's not a giant traffic. Uh it's not a huge amount of traffic, but it, I do get a good chunk, you know, a good good chunk of traffic from it, but also it's it's a good social signal. So, I don't know about you Daniel, but I'm not none of my stuff's going viral yet. So, I need those social signals um to essentially give Google a indication that what we're doing is valuable, and social is just part of that. And actually, you do have some stuff that's gone viral recently.
1: Uh, we, yeah, we're quite lucky. We've had a few things. Um, QPromote, like you said, is really good as well. We're actually running a case study on there right now. Um, Amazing. And I think it's only $13 for a campaign for about 40 days. Yeah, it's um, really So good it's deal. ridiculously cheap. Um, so we've had it running for about 10 days, and we've had 138 shares. 310 clicks. And I know that 60 people have come across and we've had about, you know, like 40, 50 leads or something. Possibly Amazing. not just from there, but yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very, very easy tool. Um, for top of mind awareness as well. Like you're saying, yeah. like for social, especially if you don't have a huge social following, that's a funny oh, so,
0: thing. Sorry, go ahead. I
1: was going say that's a funny thing. Like we don't, I don't really push social that much with our business. So yeah. my Twitter account is like cat photos and music <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Facebook likes and things like that are very small, but, but that's mainly because we use social platforms to drive traffic instead. So we're not about, yeah. I know that we could be building fans and things like that, but um, we are just driving cold traffic instead directly to content. Um,
0: and I was going to say, like, if you are sick of just being really self-promotional then using Q promote and then just retweeting the other people that tweet your content through that platform. It's a nice way to kind of mix it up. So it's not just you tweeting about your stuff. Somebody else is tweeting about your stuff and you're just retweeting them. So that's an awesome way to kind of share the same stuff, but from somebody else, essentially it looks like it's somebody else. (laughs) I mean, it's you, it's you, but it kind of looks like somebody else. So it's nice.
1: Uh, Yeah, we, um, Like it's still early days for our test, but it's amazing. I think we got like an AppSumo deal years ago. And so for 40 bucks, we got like a year's worth of promotions. So I'm just going to keep running. Yeah. So I think I've got 12 credits or 13 credits. They each last 45 days or so each. Yeah. Um, You know, so I just gonna keep running stuff on there. See how it goes.
0: What else do you love for tools for getting more paid content promotion?
1: So I can give you a whole heap of tools, but I'm going to be honest, I mainly use Facebook just because it's absolutely huge, right? There's so many yeah. people on there. Um, and so I I like to go deep in one channel rather than yeah. um, a lot, but okay, yeah. I have a list of them. So AMP, my content is all about content promotion. It's pretty much all we write about. So I yeah. have a whole list of websites and tools that we're running and testing. So let me, I'm just going to look behind me because there's this list. So you've got, obviously, Facebook ads, Google ads, Twitter mm. ads, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Q Promote, Outbrain.
0: Can stuff. I I love Outbrain, by the way. Please actually go into Outbrain a little bit more. Before you go into Outbrain, sorry, I'm just going to Yo, cherry pick these. I'm going to cherry pick them and let you introduce them for people on here that haven't heard of them. But Google ads, how do you use Google ads? Because a lot of people here that are listening to this will be familiar with Google Ads. So what do you how do you do that? How do you do that well in Google Ads?
1: Okay, so it's a diff, it's a different beast if you are promoting content or if you are running kind of sales offers and stuff. Yeah. So obviously with Google people have some kind of prior knowledge or interest or intent. How it works is they are searching for something, usually a keyword search term, and if you have run an ad for that, your advert will come up above the searches. So it's actually a really easy way to get content in front of people and also get it clicks across just because those people are already quite warm. You know, if you were looking at wanting to know how to do content promotion and you, you search for that and my Google ad comes up for it, it chances are high as well that you will click across. Um,
0: but isn't it too expensive isn't it's it too expensive too for just driving people to content? Like how does, how does that boil down into money for back to you?
1: It really depends on obviously each keyword has different costs and things like that. Yeah. So, you tell also- it,
0: so yeah, kind of outline that a little bit for people too. Like it's cheaper for stuff that is less high intent because there's less people bidding on it, right?
1: Yes, like I will say, um, primarily for content promotion, I like to use Facebook. The reason being, yeah. I can talk to a cold audience who doesn't even know they have a problem yet, and yeah. bring them in. So totally blue ocean, super super cheap. Right now, for every dollar we spend, we make about twenty two dollars in return. Nice. Uh, yeah, which is really really good, and it's all automated, and we can scale it up. And like I said, there's a huge market there, so you know we're not even <laughs> we're not even a one percent of what we could actually be scaled up to. Mm-hmm. Um, with Google, they're a warmer, they're a warmer lead. So obviously they already have some intent. So chances are high. They're going to click across if they search for something and it's not, you know, then they're not the hottest lead. They're not about to buy right now. It's a, it's a colder keyword search. You know, they're just looking at yeah. ideas, solutions, chances are high. They're going to click across. So usually because it's a less competitive keyword, the costs are lower per click, but like anything, if you're gonna do uh, paid content promotion, your content has to be effective and it has to convert. So it needs to be capturing the lead. Um, And I can go into this in more detail later on. It needs to be capturing the lead because traffic alone is just a side benefit. If your content is more effective, then obviously it takes less traffic for it to pay off. Um, Yeah. So-
0: So question for you about- Yes. I'm, I'm just going to kind of keep you at a fast clip here. I apologize, but Outbrain, talk, talk to us about Outbrain. Do you um, do you use that pretty or, – or what have you used that for previously, even am you don't use it heavily now?
1: I'm going to be honest. I've spent about 50 bucks on that, and that is it. Okay. Like okay, I say, so I,
0: we won't go crazy into that. But basically, Outbrain is just – it allows you to get in the related articles yeah. on a bunch of different sites, and it's an interesting one. And then you, you have Canva and Skype. So talk to me about how you use those to promote content.
1: Well, not so much for the actual promotion aspect, yep. but for designing yep. the promotion. So Canva is okay. um, a three-design tool, kind of similar to Photoshop. And if you've, if you've heard their story, it's insane. I think it's this young girl who started it, and they're now like multimillion-dollar business already, Canva. It's insane for a freemium model. Yeah, um, so basically it's drag-and-drop, kind of design and things like that. So you can do Facebook ads and stuff on there, but you can also design all different stuff. A big part of making an effective advert is understanding the audience. So we like to do customer interviews and things like that. So Skype is a really easy way um, to get in, in touch with people. I would say the tool we're using right now, though, Zencaster, is probably better because every time I upload Skype, I have to uh, get a new download kind of thing. It seems to be constantly yeah. updating. And Zencaster records as well. So- and it's
0: just all in your browser. So we're using Zencaster for a podcast. It records both sides and then gives you clean audio downloads for both.
1: Yeah. So, so why you- not?
0: Sorry, I apologize. I'm just going for it. You're I'm, all I'm good, gonna, man. I'm, I'm, keep, I'm keeping our clip, and I'm going to cut Decided. out this little bit. But why not just let your content get natural traction, Daniel?
1: There is, on WordPress alone, there's 84 million posts per month about being published. Yeah, but mine's like
0: the best in the world.
1: (laughs) It may well be, but if no one ever sees it, if there's so much competition, for example, content promotion is just the keyword content promotion is very, you know, it's very niche. Not a lot of people are searching for it. And yet there's 724,000 uh, competing articles on the topic, if not more. So Ooh. if you're not ranking in the first page, people are not going to find you. you know. Yeah. Um, so you need to be promoting content, but there's, there's other benefits as well. So a lot of, I think a lot of people follow, they emulate what they see online, but they are not thinking about the different business models of what they're following. So a lot of sites are churning out a lot of content, but that's because they're doing kind of an ad revenue model. So they want the same people to come back again and again and again because they get paid for that same person to come back 10 times. You know, It's Mm why YouTube channels and stuff work. But if you're a small business, that's not how you make money. You're better off instead creating a a better in-depth piece of content and then you know it converts one person. So put it in front of someone just like them and do it again and again and again because all the results that we've got is with eight blog posts in two years. So we've had the top 10 content of all time on inbound.org, Top content of 2017, possibly 2018 as well on Growth Hackers, content shared by Ryan Dice, Neil Patel, Susan Patel, uh, Joanna Wee, Copy Hackers, all these people, because it's far more beneficial to keep promoting content than it is to write new stuff, especially if you're a small business, because you're usually time poor. You get five minutes to sit down and actually do some kind of marketing work, and it's far more fun and sexy to write something new but in reality that's just going out to the people you've got right now. So even if you are getting like a 10% growth or whatever it's still very very small whereas going out and getting new people again and again and again it just makes sense. Plus you don't have to entertain the same audience all the time. You know they come Mm -hmm. into your business they learn about you they become a customer they become a repeat customer but you know um, they don't always have to keep coming back. My Partner Freya is a fantastic content marketer, and she works for a software company. They write about a very dry topic um, about uh, data testing and things. So, un- unless something new happens, they don't need to write content all the time. You know, people found out about it; they become a customer. They don't need to keep reading about that topic unless, okay, there's a new issue that's out there, or there's you know some kind of code violation or, or something. Um, so. A lot of people, a lot of businesses, they don't need to be churning out with that much content. so that's a good thing because it means you can focus on promoting instead. It's a faster ROI, you'll get more backlinks, which means organic traffic. Um, it also helps with your sanity. you know you won't go crazy having to write all the time, which I've been in that you know the reason I know all these things is because I've made all these mistakes before, you know And um, you're building an asset then. So if Google died tomorrow you know or, or a new channel, there's still all these websites out there that are recommending you, you know, and those websites will have email lists. And when someone reads their content, they'll come across to you again. Or, you know, if they listen to you on a podcast like we are on how, they might come across and check you out and things like that. It's just far more beneficial to promote than it is to keep creating all the time.
0: So, okay, I'm going to give you a little alternative perspective here because we push out a lot of content. (laughs) So, and for our clients too. Like, and we're we're trying to move as much as possible towards that quality, not quantity approach. Yeah. But my biggest thing, it's not to say that you're wrong because I think everyone could spend more time targeting and promoting instead of just churning out commodity content. I call it commodity content because right there's just so much of it that it blends in with the rest and then we're all just just contributing to this unnecessary content glut of the internet so we're trying to we're trying to push towards that quality not quantity thing but i think that for me and i don't i mean i think it's good to have two different perspectives here cuz we don't have to be like 100% aligned to give value but there's this this important important key that is there needs to be a promotion strategy built into every piece of content that you create so if you don't have a promotion strategy and for us to be honest we're really heavy into getting people more traffic from google so i appreciate what you're saying about you know the alternative which is getting you know links and you know being on podcasts and having stuff pointing back to you, yeah. but there has to be some kind of promotion. There has to be, it either has to be baked into the pie or you have to be ready to layer it on and actually spend effort and time with that promotion. So to me, it can go either way. You can, and, and my biggest thing, we, we do a lot of this, which is, which is the targeting. We, we spend a lot of time on targeting on the front end of the blog post um, that's created so that it's something that we think we can rank for, for that client, and we have a lot of these. So we're constantly kind of looking for these new opportunities and do it that way. And if you don't do that, and this is something where we've had, you know, my employees, for instance, my employees come to me and they say, I wanna write about this, like for instance, I wanna write about WordPress plugins for SEO. Like, you are competing with the world, the entire world and you're going to go against something that broad? No. Like for me, that's just an offhand deadpan no because I'm not, I'm personally not going to promote that piece of content because I know that it's not, that's not the way I want to go after it because I'm going after organic traffic. But if I, if we did do that, I would make a decision right then and there. If I said yes to that piece of content, I would say, all right, so we're, we know that our budget for promotion for that piece of content is $100 or whatever it happens to be, right? Because there has to be some promotion strategy. If, you're, if you can't rank number one or you can't rank one through 10 and you don't know how you're going to do that, you have to have some kind of content strategy. So I would say I love the targeting and the, the there has to be some kind of promotion strategy. So that's just an alternate perspective because I appreciate yours too. What is a decent budget for a small to mid-sized business when they're doing paid content promotion?
1: Honestly, you can start at just you know, five bucks a day just to get started and get it out there because then it's, you know, it's super cheap. You're not even going to notice that you're spending it. Um, the trick, of course, is to do it in a way that is profitable because then you can spend as much as you want and keep going Yeah, up to a point. Um, and uh, just to circle back to what you were saying – you, yeah, you totally have to have that promotion process in place. I think a big disconnect is you have two schools of thought. You have the inbound marketers and then you have the paid ads guys. And the paid ads guys don't care about what quality they've got because they'll just push people to it all day. And then the inbound guys want people to find them and love what they've got, but they don't want to be pushy and put it out there. you know. And I think that's a big issue that people have with promotion they're creating content, but they're not actually promoting it, and they're just creating more and more and hoping, you know? But I totally agree. Like, you can create more content as well and still pay off, but you have to be promoting it. You can't just put it out there and not promote. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm on my second coffee of the day, so I'm back and forth. My brain is all over the place.
0: No, I like it. I'm always the guy that kind of just pushes these along. I just... Chug them along. I'm assuming everybody is ADHD like me. (laughs) Like I assume like nobody has an attention span. So I just boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Tools. Give me tools. Give me actionable advice right now. And if I don't get it, then honestly, that's how I browse the internet. You know, and I don't even stop myself. I don't stop myself from from browsing the internet that way. Because I feel like I'm getting into ultimate consumer mode. Where it's like, if you don't have what I want like that. I'm out. So how do you get people, this is just a random question. How do you get people to stick on your content when they land? So if you're spending all this money, and even if it's five bucks a day, that's a lot to some small businesses. How do you get people to stick on that content once they land there?
1: Obviously the content has to be good. You know, it has to be, it has to perform and it has to capture that lead. But like you're saying, if if it's not even good enough to keep them on the page and they bounce, then that's gonna be a major issue. So a lot of it is obviously copywriting. We use a lot of direct response principles with our writing. And again, that just comes down to research. Understanding the audience, which is why we do like the Skype interviews, we check out forums and things. But it's also understanding uh, an emotional level. It's not just like the problem that they have, it's the pain that it's causing and the desire that they want because then if you can bake that into the content it's so easy to keep them on page like right now our bounce rate i don't know is about 60% and that's probably cuz i don't have our analytics set up properly but our, our opt in rate is anywhere from 15 to 83% in content which is huge industry standard is like 2% you know so it's if the more time you can spend understanding that audience the more effective your content will be and the less likely that they're going to leave so even if you only had so, five minutes, improve yeah. the headline, improve the intro. Those two things are going to keep them scrolling down the page. And once you get them clicking and scrolling, they're more likely to actually stay on the page.
0: I love it. And, you know, just the obvious tips in there, right? Like I like making the intro paragraph bigger to kind of hook people. Yep. I like making sure that there's some kind of image that is kind of emotionally provocative a little bit at the beginning of the page ideally and i want to give one little recent formula that formula that i absolutely loved it was on q's blog actually we were just talking about q so absolutely love this it's it's uh, they they got me with their really good title which was content formula the most captivating formula according to the godfather of influence <laughs> and i love that title because I, I need to know what the godfather of influence said but so what they what they allude to here is that you start with a mystery. So, for instance, they wrote how to write content that holds your reader's attention, and then they they said exciting and unique. There has to be something exciting and unique that you're alluding to later that might come up later in the uh, the the article. The Godfather of Influence also struggled with this problem, but found a surprising answer. And then false clues and conclusions. So. You might think it's improving your website design, inserting images into your posts and writing practical content, etc. And then they say, "No, it's this surprising solution, the mystery content formula." You know, so you've got that mystery, something exciting and unique, false clues and conclusions, and a surprising solution. So I love that, and I keep on like going back to that. I'm like literally like keeping that in mind every time I write, write an article now, like got to start with a mystery and then give these false conclusions. Cause that really kind of gives you that emotional hook. You might think it's this, you might think it's that like, it kind of gets you like, Whew, I got to know, I got to <laughs> know what the real, the real solution is. Yeah.
1: I can give you some real nerdy neuroscience stuff around it. If you like,
0: I like love a, it, please.
1: I'm, I'm a massive nerd for this. So, all right. Um, A lot of content, almost all content online, is one of seven archetypes. It's how we've been telling stories for years. So if you know that, you know that, okay, well, this is the end goal. Someone's gonna read this and they're gonna do this thing at the end. Maybe it's an opt-in, maybe it's to build trust, maybe it's to sell, things like that. So once you've got that, you can template out that story. There's certain elements that you have to hit to connect with people. So how our brains work is a three-tiered system. We have the lizard brain, um, the midbrain, and then the neocortex. Neocortex is like all the logical stuff. So um, that's how we think we're performing all the time. But we really aren't. The lizard brain and the midbrain are trying to save energy all the time. So when you were saying like you're scanning through the internet and stuff, that's you literally like your lizard brain going through to find a headline that connects because it's it's driven by fear or it's driven by desire or it's driven by uh, intrigue. So those things connect. And once that's connected, immediately, seconds after that, your midbrain is trying to say, is this relevant before I push it forward to spend more energy on it? Because if it's not going to capture that interest, we're going to bounce. So a- again, you can start off The headline is, ironically, it's the most difficult thing to write. You know, you you can tweak and tweak and tweak that, and it'll make a massive difference. We like to use a before-after bridge. So, again, we're using open loops to start asking questions of the audience to keep them interested, so they keep paying attention. It's almost, you know, like in TV shows and things, they talk about stuff that happened previously in a series, so that you're going to pay attention and carry on watching for the rest of the episode. So we, we open loops and we talk about what life is like before, you know, how they are now. And then we talk about how things are after, where they want to be. And then we bring up objections like you were saying. It's you would think it was this or you would think it was that, but it's not the case. So now they.
0: It's such a good. It's such a good way to hook people, I think.
1: Right. Because you're saying, hey, is this what you are like right now? So that midbrain is saying, uh, lizard brain said, I'm interested in the headline. Midbrain says, hey, this is talking to me they're talking about my particular issues and desires right now. So it's not to pay attention and they read, you know, the next line down. Then you're talking about do you want to get here and they're like, "Well, no no shit, of course I do." And then they immediately they're thinking of objections of w- why not to move forward. The brain's trying to save energy is it the same old thing I've read a heap of times. If you can ad- if you understand that they have that and you can address it almost straight away, they say, hang on, then if they're saying it's not those things, then this must be something I should pay attention to. If just by improving those things, you'll pull more people into your content and get more and more and more people like reading through and converting. Just that alone. But yeah, I'm so a massive nerd on this. Why do stuff. you
0: guys I love it? And i, I it sounds like it's been working because you guys have pretty high opt in rates. Yeah, why it's pretty are crazy. you crazy? Tell me what opt-in rates you're getting uh and why your opt-in rates are so high
1: so a lot of people get 1.95 percent so two out of every hundred will become a subscriber our lowest not, i think not is, bad yeah that's not bad either. it's not no especially considering the size of the internet and how many people are out there and how many leads you can convert ours at the lowest convert 17 out of 100 and the latest post this massive guide we just created 83 out of every 100 people who read it opt in. So it's absolutely insane. huge. Yeah, it's insane for it to be working like that. And again, that's from practice tweaking and improving the opt-in offer and stuff like that.
0: Wait, wait. So give us some false conclusions on why <laughs> we might think that that's working that well.
1: Uh, possibly not enough traffic to balance out right now. You know, yes, it had a bit. No, no I'm, yeah.
0: no, I'm saying like, you know, that whole mystery formula like. Oh, okay. You might think that it's this. You might think that it's that, but it's actually.
1: All right. Well, I'll I'll give you a lot of people think that to get the email, you need to make the offer as many times as possible. I only have one opt-in method and I remove every other option away from it. So I remove all distractions. We don't use stuff like Outbrain and things at the bottom of a page because I don't want them clicking elsewhere. I want them to take the call to action that I have. So we treat every mm-hmm. page like a sales page. There was a goal for every person on there. We have no sidebar. We remove all distractions. We have no exit intent. We have no pop-up. There is nothing worse than going to an article and all of a sudden four pop-ups come up and then a video for something else. You just spend mm-hmm. all this time and effort to get them there, to convert them, and then you're immediately distracting them because, and I understand it, you're afraid that you might lose them. But the thing is you are, you are losing them by doing it. You know, you're giving them all these distractions, and how can they possibly then pay attention and take the action that you want? You know, if, if we know that it's going to take 10 seconds before they bounce anyway, um, if your copy isn't good enough, why would you then put a thing on the page that immediately comes up and then something else, and then they scroll down and start reading, and then a header bar pops up again, and all of a sudden it's just a bad user experience. So we use one opt-in. It is unique and specific to every article that we write. We call it a hyper-specific next step offer. So it's unique to every piece of content. And we try and empathize with the audience and think, well, what do they want to do next? If this person has read this post, what is a logical thing that they are thinking and the action they want to take? So for example, um, I talk about this in an article. And we break it all down, and there's all images and stuff. At the end of the post, someone is going to want to take action. So we have five two-minute videos for them to follow along and set it up, because that's the logical next thing they're going to want to take. So that has like a 30% opt-in rate. If I didn't offer that, what are they going to do? They're going to Google how to set it up and look for a video. So it makes total sense for me to offer that as an option to these people. There's there's different things that you can do. It doesn't always have to be a huge thing. Um, it can be a PDF. It can be you know, a, a spreadsheet, whatever but it has to be the next thing that they want to do because you've got them excited about an action, now give them an action to take, you know? Because that's what the copy does, it gets them all excited and then they, you know, they, you should give them something to take. It's amazing how many businesses don't have a call to action. So it's unique, it's specific. We also use the commitment and consistency principle. So if you can get someone to take an action, no matter how small, they are about 40% more likely to take a bigger action. So that's why we're not pushing paid traffic to a sales page with cold audiences, because if we can get them to read a post and subscribe, they're far, far likelier to buy. So our conversion rate on the back end is much, much higher than the industry standard. And all we're doing really is pushing to, for subscribers. Now, how that ties into email capture is we will use a two-step opt-in. So somewhere in our content, it might say, hey, by the way, I created the videos. If you want to watch at the end, you can watch these and set it up. If they click on it, then an opt-in box appears. If we had an opt-in box on its own, they would be more likely, more hesitant to enter their email because it's, you know, it's a perceived effort again. I can't be asked if they're going to send me this and this and this. But if they click a button first to say, "Hey, do you want to get the video?" and then the opt-in box appears again, they took a small action; they're forty percent more likely to fill it in. So you can do this with multiple forms and things like that. Um, there's a website called Investor Carrot, and they were <laughs> originally they used to have an opt-in form with about fifteen boxes and um, trying to get people to fill out all these details. What they did is they changed it to a two-step where all they asked was. You click something, a box appeared, they got the email. After that, a page appeared with all the extra information to fill out. Something like 80% of people carried on and filled out all those forms, but they also saw like a 60% lift in leads on the front end. So they were getting the same traffic, but they were getting more people opt in and they weren't weak leads, they would carry on and fill out all their stuff. And um, they were making something ridiculous, like they were still converting the same sales rate on the back end. So, again, like the commitment principle, if you can get someone to take an action, they're far more likely to take another action. Nice. So, sorry, I kind of, again, I do nerd out on this stuff.
0: No, I like it, I appreciate it very much. Um, can you give me any more specifics that you guys use to get more out of your paid ad per, uh, content promotion?
1: Yep, yeah, a lot of it, again, because, because we're using Facebook. Facebook is a cold audience entertainment platform. So it's very easy to promote content on there because it provides a good experience. So by doing that, the more relevant your advert is to your audience, Facebook lowers the cost. So it does make it quite easy to promote content on there at a lower cost if you're just getting started. You can do it on a lot of channels, but it kind of works. There's a good um, symbiosis between the two. Another thing as well is, so all these tips are gonna be about Facebook. Obviously understanding the audience because if you can write a good ad, if you know, if you've researched your audience and the content is good, it's really easy to write an advert because you know those people before that stage, right? So if you've got an advert that converts really well, super easy to get them to click across. And then the content is really good, so it gets opt-ins and stuff much better than anything else. Another top tip that most people don't do they'll try and target an audience group for a particular advert but they'll niche down super 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 niche and what happens is the more niche you go the more it costs to show the advert that's fine Interesting. yeah that's fine when you're testing the ad so what we'll do is we'll create a group of about a thousand to ten thousand people like a focus group like i used to do in the don draper days You know, like, do you like this or do you like this? Now, okay, she's got uh, blonde hair or red hair, which do you prefer, stuff like that. We will test with that group and we will run different variations to find the winning advert. Once we've got the winning advert, we then go broader. So by going broader, obviously the cost is less because um, we're not being more specific with Facebook so they'll show it to people for, for less money. Here's the thing. Facebook's algorithm works off a machine learning program. So it tracks the people who are interacting and the people who are opting in and those kind of things. And it starts to improve the targeting over time. So let's say that you wrote an advert for agencies who wanted to do content promotion because that's what your article is about. You focus group with those agencies and you show the ads and you find the best version. And then you go broad. You say, Facebook, I just want to target people who are doing content marketing. Over time, those same agencies Or similar people are going to see that advert and they're going to convert because you know the advert works really well with those people. And so what happens is the algorithm understands that and it starts targeting those people more. So you're now targeting the niche people, but you're not paying the niche price, if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of people don't do this. And so they limit a lot of the things they can do and they, um, they can't keep their lead costs down. So like a total beginner thing as well. You have to know your numbers. It's not sexy, but you do have to know, you know your sales conversions, traffic to subscribers, subscriber to sale, uh, your refund rates and things like that. Because if you don't know that, yeah. the major thing that stops people from running adverts is they don't know if it's working or not. I was working with a, uh, a friend of mine who runs a gym recently, and for every dollar we were spending, they were making $17 back on the initial offer. Those people were signing up for a 12 month contract, but we would make $17 off that first month. If those people stay, they're making around um, you know, $600. So for every dollar, mm. they were making almost 600 back. But they turned the advert off because they didn't think it was working because they weren't making $600 sales immediately. You have to know the mm. math behind it for your business and and as it scales forward. But that's a big thing. Like it stops people from sleeping well at night because they're spending money. And they have no idea if they're making money.
0: Yeah, it's important. I, and, I mean, just think about the history of advertising. It's so crazy how much more information we have now. It's to me and you, it's fun. To some people, it's a little daunting to really get that attribution. Oh, totally. Like, but it's, would you uh, would you talk to me a little bit about the case studies? Because you had mentioned in our initial chat that. You guys are having a lot of success with case studies. So I just want, before we go, I want to talk to you just a little bit about those case studies and why you are and how you guys are writing them to be more effective than, you know, your run of the mill case study.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, So a little bit of background. Uh, We ran a campaign with a, this is, so we have two websites. We have a retargeting website, which helps you get more sales. It's a blog and then we have um, at my content which helps you get more traffic, so they kind of they work together We did a campaign with a wetsuit company and we spent hundred and fourteen dollars in a weekend and we made like $20,000 in sales, um, the reason we didn't make more is we ran out of stock basically
0: <laughs>
1: So we wrote a case study about that and it went insane. We got 50,000 visitors in the first two weeks uh, We got three million dollars in client requests in those two weeks um, And it's still going now. We still get opt-ins and things from that. And the reason it works better than a lot of what people are doing is a a lot of people write case studies. Like you go on a software site or whatever, they say, we worked with X, they got Y result, and it's 400 words, and that's it. And all it's designed to do is say, hey, we work with this client. And so it doesn't really do anything. If you think about any sale online, uh, well, any sale in person, you need trust, you need authority, and they need to believe that the product works and things like that. When you're buying online, it's even more difficult because there's no human interaction, there's no connection, they can turn it off at any point. So you really need to build on those factors. So when you're writing a case study that says we worked with X and they got Y and that's it, it doesn't do anything apart from look like you're showing off. Um, Whereas if you write it as a how-to guide, Mm-hmm. Um, and you put that client as the hero in the story. You give them a hero's journey. I love it. It creates yes. a narrative around it, and the person can connect because they can say, hey, I want to be where that software company is. I own a software company or whatever, and we are now at this point. I want to see what they did. By giving yeah. away 99% of what you do, a lot of people think, oh, okay, well, I'm going to lose a client because then they can see what it is they do. They, people don't have time. They want to see how it worked, why it worked, you know what what are the ingredients what 's the recipe, how did you put it together they're not going to go then go cook it at home they 're still going to go to the restaurant and buy it you know um mm-hmm. so by by you make it a how to guide and you add in the narrative of the uh, the client. They were here, they felt like this, they wanted to be at this point, you know before or after bridge. We started this and then there was this thing and we're stacking the benefits and we're removing the previous objections that we know our audience has because of our research and then we get into it. One, because it's highly valuable, it's actionable and people can see and they can take action. People are going to share it. So even if people are not going to be a client, maybe they don't have the money, they're going to share it with people who are. Uh, Competitors are going to link to it and refer to it. We get that all the time. That's like, so crazy. right? I get competitors linking to our stuff that then sells a client, and they're using it to prove a point, um, and then the people become our customer, things like that. Yeah, It's not difficult to do, so it. it adds value, it builds authority, the people get action from it, so they feel uh, reciprocal, they want to pay you back, or they want to share it with people. So that's all you really need to do. It's not that complex. It's just, it, you know, it has to be valuable. It has to have meat to it.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. This is the second podcast in a row. This is yeah, this is the second podcast in a row where we've been talking about the hero's journey and making your customer the hero, and both both podcasts really kind of flesh it out in a really interesting and significant way. And I really appreciate you going into that a little bit more and how it relates to case studies. No worries. Is there any? Yeah, is there anything else that you want to share before we uh, before we sign off here?
1: No, I, mean, I like, um, I have all content on this, so I can tell people about that and where they can go read. Yeah, things. please tell.
0: Ah. You can. I mean, here's the deal: you gave away so much value on this podcast. You can do a
1: hard pitch
0: <laughs> right now if you want. Buy
1: my stuff. To
0: me, it's <laughs> a. I yeah no. My thing is is like I I have no problem with that. Like if people if somebody comes in this podcast and just gives insane amount of value away they can give a hard pitch all day because frankly hey sorry can you
1: hear me yeah sorry it dropped off a bit then
0: no that's all right so yeah basically if somebody gives a ton of value you can give a hard pitch go ahead and uh, share with the folks at home if there's something that they can uh get from you or opt in or how how you want them to interact with you next
1: well um you can go to ampmycontent.com. um that's all the case studies and guides that we have so we have just four articles on there right now. We have like a manifesto post, which is gonna help you understand like why you need to promote. It's a lot of stuff we talked about today. We have an article that talks about the main elements of what makes effective content, and we show you how to go into an old article and actually improve it so that it's more effective. Uh, we, ha- Love it. we have another article showing you that entire method of capturing those leads as well. So now if you, you know, you've got an old post that's working better, you can actually get more leads from that traffic as well. And then we just wrote this 30,000 word guide on paid content promotion. So if you wanted to set up and start running like a little bit of budget if you wanted to, or you know, outsource it to a team or an agency, all that's on there. We do have a product which is, um, so all the results and things that we started to get, we started create SOPs, standard operating procedures and things like that for interns. And um, we eventually created that into a training program, but still, still in like early days right now, it's not open right now. But if, you know, if you opt into any of our stuff at some point, you'll see it reopen.
0: Cool. Well, hey, Daniel, a lot of this is going to, I'm going to have to re-listen through this and kind of like try to use some of this for, you know, particularly that case study stuff. I'm super excited to kind of test that on our case studies. So thank you for sharing everything. And yeah.
1: You are very welcome. Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me as well and for, For people who are listening, it's actually just after Christmas right now, and Tim has come in, you know, in the holidays to record this with me, so I really, really appreciate it, and I appreciate everyone taking the time to listen as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there anywhere that people can follow you on social or anything like that?
1: (laughs) So uh, on Twitter, my uh, handle is at Inbound Ascend, A-S-C-E-N-D, but like I say, you will get cat photos and uh, the music that I'm listening to, and that's about it. So I'm not, nice, I'm not a like big it. social guy. I'm more, um, I kind of hide behind the scenes and write content and promote it, really, and that's it.
0: No, I dig it. So you can check us out at Hook Agency on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and hookagency.com. To check out the show notes, you can go to hookagency.com slash podcast dash 28, and... If you hear a little bit of uh, white noise in the background, it's just pouring out here. It's hilarious to me. It's December 27th. December 27th, and it's, uh, it's raining in Minnesota, which is it's usually snowing. So it's just kind of weird. But hey, at least it's not uh, 20 below zero like it often can be at this time of year. So. Well, yeah. um, it's uh,
1: it's yeah. 23 degrees here right now, which is about 70. I think Yeah uh, For you guys So it's super yeah. warm It's so weird uh, Doing these things At the opposite sides Of the world
0: It is weird But I like it and I, Yeah Appreciate you very much man And maybe we'll do Another one sometime I would love that Thank you Thank you very much Bye
1: You've got the words To change a nation But you're biting your tongue. you spent so many stuck Talking silence
0: Afraid is it?
1: How gonna join us next time for it's a code world bringing you experts in digital marketing and helping small to mid-sized businesses be more professional it means the world to us if you could take a minute to rate our podcast on itunes at hookagency.com slash itunes